Hello, I'm Kerry Eustis. Put your hands together for Careers Talk. <laughs> yes, festival season is upon us. And yes, we know you had an amazing time at Glastonbury, but it's time to move on from Rolf Harris's life-changing set on the Pyramid stage because we've got a headliner of our very own. Fiona Stewart, Festival Director of the Green Man Festival and the woman behind the success of The Big Chill, joins us to talk about her 20-year career in events and tell us what, wellies and wet wipes aside, you need to survive a career in festivals and events. Plus, Harriet Still Giddy from The Smell of Determination and Hair Gel reports back from the Guardian Graduate Fair where we asked the class of 2010 how confident they're feeling about their job prospects. But first, there's been some big stories vying for your attention this week. I think a lot of things went wrong today. I think, you know, we've conceded four goals, so that tells its own story. Wimbledon has been exciting. And so the afternoon after the night before, they were back for more on Court 18. And there was, of course, a budget. I'm very worried that he's taking a risk with both the growth in the economy and jobs. So careers Queen Harriet Minter and job seekers St Ali White have been filtering through the headlines to bring you this week's careers news. Right, Ali, do you want to take it off? What story you got first? Yeah, of course, the budget, and Mm. they're calling it the austerity budget. And public sector workers, I'm afraid, are facing an uncertain future. I'm afraid all departments, apart from the Ringfest, NHS and the Overseas Aid, face losing 25% of their annual budget. So we don't really know yet how this is going to translate into jobs, and a lot of people are trying to kind of guess or kind of you know analyze what that might mean perhaps even hundreds of thousands of public sector jobs but the key is no one really knows yet so that's something we'll be keeping an eye on and pay freezes as well if you work in the public sector and you earn over £21,000 a year um, which is six million workers I've seen online you face a pay freeze for two years but interestingly enough before this budget I I must add we ran a poll on comment is free on the Guardian website about um, what would you rather work in the public or private sector and it's all based around this think tank um, the policy exchange who found that working hours and holidays are actually better in the public sector so that everyone had a quick read through that and 67.4% of the comment is free readers said they'd rather work in the public sector than the private sector regardless that they would have been expecting cuts Mm. yeah and that doesn't surprise me either because if you are currently working in the private sector, you've probably been through mm. two years of a pay yeah. freeze and redundancies and cutting working hours and things like that. So actually where the public sector is now was maybe where the private sector is two years ago. Sure? So they're probably less enthused about their jobs yeah. than people who at that point thought they were in quite a steady profession. I wondered whether it's sort of pointing towards the fact that despite all of the pay freezes and the cuts to a lot of departments that the public sector is going to remain really competitive. People are still going to want to go into it. Mm -hmm. So jobs are going to be, you know, if there are any jobs, they're going to be so toughly contested. And also what we should flag up is that Society, another section on The Guardian, are running Mm. something called Cuts Watch where they're asking people to write in and let them know what what cuts are happening in their area and how it's affecting their working lives. Um, so send them lots of stuff so we can talk about it at some other time. Yeah, Great. definitely. All right, um, the headline I've picked out is that um, work can help people recover from depression. And this was a story by Nick Payton, who's a journalist and author of The Complete Career Makeover. And you might also recognise him from our forums because he's our career change expert. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this piece for Occupational Health magazine. Um, and it was based on a review by the Sainsbury Centre for Mental Health and the British Occupational Health Research Foundation called Common Mental Health Problems at Work. Mm-hmm. And what the review was, it looked 
looked at research, like international research about the people who have mental health problems, how they get back to work, whether they're given any support. And it's collated that to come to the conclusion that you don't have to have fully recovered fully recovered even before you go back to work if you've had a period of depression or mental health problem and it also unsurprisingly uncovered that people are needing more support from their managers or from their workplaces in order to make that transition smoother and why I like this story because it was quite a positive spin on the impact work can have on your life Mm -hmm. although it can cause you the stress which in some cases leads to stress and depression problems Uh if you're supported properly it can give you a boost and I thought it was it was a nice story to see Um, and it also fits in a a lot with the recent story about the fit notes you know where now they're putting more of a focus on what you can do in the workplace and rather what you can't so I just thought this was another step maybe towards a changing attitude or eventually a changing attitude in employers And, and and I hope that it will be because employers need to have a heightened awareness I mean we had a blog didn't we recently from somebody that had, had had mental health problems and their first workplace where it first occurred they had a psychotic episode mm-hmm. um leading from stress at work and after a period of time off they went back somebody else was doing their job and they were made to feel really unwelcome which you know really compounded the issue for them and they were actually offered two thousand pound to leave because they felt so unwelcome but they went to their union and they ended up getting a redundancy package which is bad but they then went on to another employer yeah it is bad um they went on to another employer that understood their situation and was willing to make amendments to their working requirements so that it fitted around them personally Mm. and I just think it's a step that people should take influence from and we also did a Q&A and this is actually something that mental health charities and organizations have been campaigning for for a long time for employers to embrace a more supportive stance so if anybody wants to um wants help identifying sort of like symptoms or signs Mm. that they you know that they're stressed or that you know they're having mental health problems there's lots of advice in there so I'll put a link on the show notes for everyone and in fact I also wanted to mention that the Sainsbury Centre for Mental Health is going to be rolling out a course for employers to educate them about these issues and how they can support their staff more if they're having problems in this way well my story this week actually comes from the Guardian Careers site and it's a piece written by our management expert Ruth Spellman who works for the Chartered Management Institute have to get that right CMI and um, it's about obviously after the budget the other big topic this week has been the sport so this is about (laughs) sport sport. in the workplace and there has definitely been sport in our workplace (laughs) you can hear the boys shouting occasionally (laughs) at the football and Kerry told me off the other day for watching the tennis very unsubtly so I think I was talking to you and you were like yeah I'm not listening to you sorry um She's talking about whether employees should be allowed to watch the big sporting events whilst they're at work, what you can kind of do to use these events to actually help boost your workplace. And um, there's an interesting piece of research in the CMI's Quality of Working Life survey, which saw that 85% of managers think the recession is still having an effect on their business and particularly on their workplace within the business. And so she's suggesting that actually you can use these sporting events to build a rapproch- a rapprochement, let's have a bit of French, a rapprochement, mm-hmm. or a better rapport with your with your workers. And what she suggests is doing things like offering flexi time around mm-hmm. the games, trusting them to set up a game in the boardroom and have a few drinks and relax, but then go back to their desks afterwards. And she says if you put that sort of trust and motivation behind your staff and say, no, we know yeah. that it's either it's been a tough few years, so this is a reward for that, 
or that you know we know you're good enough staff for us to be able to allow you to do this and know that you will still do an excellent job the rest of the time you're going to get a lot of support back from them Mm. I suppose workplaces will be facing retention issues as well if they've had like you know austere months following the the recession well we had that piece um I think Ali was talking about a few weeks ago which said um quarter of all people looking to move jobs mm-hmm. yeah and I do know that from mine who works in HR for an ad agency when they were going through a really difficult time in the recession they had to cut everybody's salaries but as a compensation for that they gave everybody a half day on a Friday and so that mm. was how it worked it said you yeah, we're all in this together and we understand that this is really hard for you yeah. But let's try and find a way we can make it better. Yeah, I wonder whether the offices that have got Wimbledon on in the corner will keep their staff more than the ones that yeah. haven't let them watch it. I don't know how productive I've been this week. So. <laughs> Time for a quick review of the I've graduated what next Q&A now. Clearly this is a question on lots of university leavers' mind as it was a stormer, wasn't it, Ali? You were inundated. Yeah, the questions were coming in thick and fast and oh. my experts' fingers were burning <laughs> on those keyboards. And thanks to all of them because they did a great job. I know, I'm surprised the site didn't melt actually really that busy. <laughs> so tell us about the highlights then. Um, there was some great stuff. Um, uh, very interesting what I thought was someone came in to ask, they want a career in public policy and they've been offered an MA place, but they're wondering whether they should just get some experience on their CV and whether they'd actually have a limpet looking CV for having got a master's. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting because I know a lot of people put a lot of weight behind qualifications. And even more interestingly, a lot of our panel were saying, well, I think employers would actually value the experience more than the MA. You think the more education you get, the better. But they're saying, you know, even graduates who've got the experience have sort of come back and said, oh, you know, I'm glad I didn't do that MA. So, and the next thing, good news for our graduates, that the job news might not be as bad as it seems for them. Um, one of our panel came on and said they've seen an uptake in recruiters seeking graduates for a number of different reasons, really. Like, perhaps employers made deeper cups than they needed in 2008 2009 during the sort of really bad time and there's been a sort of increase in confidence and niche sectors are showing signs of growth so um you know even faster growing lesser known firms and and FTSE traditional recruiters with shortfalls are looking so you know encouraging news if you're out there looking for a job so perhaps look outside the more obvious places Mm -hmm. I think was the advice and um, last of all, really, expect to take a, a different route than you may have imagined. You know, there's no such thing as a straightforward careers path nowadays, mm. was what one of our panels did say. And I think that was fair enough in a lot of respects. Um, you may start off with a job with a low starting salary and not in the area you want to be. But again, it comes back to job experience. It's good in the beginning. Make the most of the skills that you can to get on your CV. Even, you know, if it's something you weren't aiming to be doing to start with, it's all good skills to have. Again, it's customer service skills, working to targets, office skills, targeted work experience, even get to know the area you want to work in. So just view every step as an opportunity to yeah. get where you want to. Exactly. Um, one of our panelists said, don't sell yourself short, though. You know, if you can't afford to work for free for six months, don't do it, you know, but just get the experience you can under your belt. All right. Thanks very much, Ali. Joining us in the studio now, we have Fiona Stewart, Festival Director of the Green Man Festival and the woman behind the success of The Big Chill. Fiona has been involved in the entertainment, leisure and events industries for more than 20 years and is known as an expert in the development and production of boutique festivals. So she knows a thing or two about how to produce great events. Hello, Fiona. Hello. Thanks for coming in to speak to us. Um, So everyone's talking about Glastonbury at the moment and festival season is fully upon us. Is it a good time now to get involved in events and maybe take your first steps into that sort of industry? I think um, there's always a good time to to do 
what you want to do and what you dream about. Um, from, from the point of view of, of either deciding to go into education or the jobs that are involved in festivals or the voluntary jobs, there's, there's such a myriad of, of opportunities now in events at, all, at lots and lots of different levels. Certainly the event season in this country, because of the weather, sort of really starts from May till September. And because of the planning involved it's usually better to apply early to get on the various voluntary opportunities at festivals. But, um, you know, uh, there are always opportunities to events. It's, it, it's an, an opportunistic situation. You know, if you can ring up and someone hasn't turned up or whatever, it's such an enormous enterprise to run a festival. There will be some area where there isn't uh, enough people in some capacity. And if you're prepared just to go along and really try to get involved in it, then more than likely you'll get something out of it. I said there's so many different ways and there's so many different jobs involved. There's three kind of areas in in events, really. There's the um, artist promotion and marketing, and there's the stage and technical production, a bit like what you guys are doing here, really, in a way. There's there's that side of things. And uh, then there's logistics and... Then, of course, actually, I haven't added all the kind of catering and bar and all that kind of thing. So you sort of need to decide which area you'd like to go into. Many people who get into the logistics side come from a more of an engineering background. And the other side for the stage and production, technical lighting, that kind of thing, there are various courses which are available or people become apprentices with production company. You can join agencies which uh, take on roadies as well, which is, you have to be quite physically fit t- to do that. But this is an industry that's really based on good relationships with people, getting on with people and doing your best in every single job you do so you get a reputation for being employed. So if people really are able to push themselves and have a lot of energy, they can create quite a lot for themselves and create a job for themselves, I think. So would you say if somebody wanted to do something like you from the organisation or directing side, if they were to set up their own events, it would be a good way to make a mark and make those contacts? I think so. I mean, you know, the events are very expensive to do. So I think the the reality of doing that in, you know, just to do it yourself, unless you've got some incredible backer, that's pretty unlikely. I think the best way to start an event, and I'd always say a very good way of doing it, is is to start a night in a nightclub. If you're at university, do a a night with a university, get involved with the student union. You know, many of the things that I deal with in a a myopic sort of way are things that that you'll have to deal with if you do that kind of thing. And it's a massive learning opportunity. And again, you're making contacts. I want to ask you a bit about your own career now. We mentioned Glastonbury earlier, and mm. you actually had an epiphany, a career epiphany at Glastonbury at the Stone Circle, didn't you? Tell me about that and what you were doing at the time. Um, at the time, I did my degree in, in uh, psychology, and I did my dissertation in group think, group behaviour. And uh, for a while, I had uh, like a consultancy role with, with the home office where I, I would assess crowds, football matches, marches, um, big music events. Although when I was younger, I was very into music. Um, I had a, 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 a child when I was quite young. And I just worked for, for, for very many years doing the kind of stuff that one does to just, just do jobs, admin jobs, cleaning jobs, worked as a care attendant, worked as an extra, worked as, you know, anything that would create a situation where I could make some money. 
And anyway, I was sent there to um, assess the crowd. It was what well, I think it was the first year that they'd had uh, police on site. And I was I was being driven around. I was a bit, I was a bit worried actually. I was a bit scared about going there. Um, I, I, ironically, um, and I remember going. Like, I was completely dressed in the wrong thing. So I was dressed in my kind of you know sort of early nineties blue suit. You know, <laughs> my, my sort of flesh coloured tights and flat flat slip on shit. I mean, you know, talk about uncool. I was, I was the queen of uncool. <laughs> And we went up to the stone circle and uh, I remember looking down on it and I was just, I just, I wanted to get out of the car, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to move around. Still felt slightly embarrassed that I wasn't wearing the proper gear though. And uh, <laughs> could I always pop down to one of the stalls, stalls and, and pick get, it yeah. up, yeah. And anyway, I, I went out and, and, there was, and there was some people sort of just having a laugh, dancing around, being silly. And I just felt young again. I started going to other events too, um, and I just learned a lot. And I mean, a story I have of um, I did a brought the big chill to Lulworth Castle, which is now used by Camp Festival, I think. And that was a very difficult site to get an event into. For a start, the local authority charged some uh, I can't remember what it was. It was like fifty five thousand pounds, I think. And some of the people who lived on the estate were very against uh, an event taking place. In fact, I got chased up uh, uh, the village green by a man (laughs) waving a stick at me, saying, I don't want your syringes on my land. I know. And and they removed everything from the church that's actually on the estate during the festival, I think, because they thought that we were going to take things, I suppose. I don't know. But, I mean, afterwards, it was difficult to do, but when you proved yourselves and everything went well and we, we spoke a lot to the local people there and, and they got something, I'd always make sure that the local community gets something out of the festival in some ways. Have you got any proudest moments from any of the events that you've organised or any of the festivals? Oh, gosh, I, I have so many, so much proud, happy moments. I always think, I always... Um, one of the nicest moments when, again, was at Lulworth Castle. There was a lady there who who'd been working for the estate for, for years and years and years, which you get in in, in um, communities like that. And she'd not been rude to me, but she'd been very quiet and very stern. When you know, sometimes when we're in a group meeting, there'll be a kind of a lady there or a man, and you sort of wish, I really want you to like me, you know, that kind <laughs> of thing. You can sort of sense that, you know, they 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 just seem sort of very very nice. And after the festival. Um, we did a, an arts trail in, in this kind of wooded area and uh, there was a piece that was done by an artist called Zoe Brown. It was like a filmic piece where it was a film of a, of a girl. It was a kind of kind of filmic thing which that you know, lady had probably never seen before and then to see it in her home like that. And she came up to me and you could see she was quite reserved and she embraced me and just said, you know, that was incredible. I've been here... She was, she was in her 80s. I've been here, I've picnicked, I've worked, I've picnicked with my, with my mother in that same wooded area. I never would have believed that you could... You know, this was... And that was... I was really affected by that because it was, it was just so lovely to see her feel that sense of freedom. She was part of the festival. She, she, was, a, she was there with everyone else having a laugh. And it was... Um, you know, that was, that was rather... I cried then as well, actually. <laughs> I know, and I'm hopeless. What about, um, has anything gone wrong? Is this going to be another time where you're going to tell me where you've cried? Has anything gone disastrously wrong? <laughs> actually, and... I, I don't seem to cry when things go really wrong. It's funny, I just cry when, I'm, when things are good. Um, a few years ago, 
I think it's NIG, um, the big financial house, um, their bond department went under for some to do with, with I don't know, I, I, it's beyond my understanding any of that is. Um, the Cardnet decided that the ticket income that we were, we were getting, they were going to keep. They weren't going to bankroll us anymore. So how, that's how we actually ran the festival. We, we would get ticket income, they would pass it to us and we would use it to bankroll the festival. If you can imagine, it was sort of like May, and um, most of our ticket income hadn't, the bulk of it hadn't, hadn't come through by that time. We were totally committed to an event. They rang me up on Friday, and I had no way of of um, of dealing with it. Um, I tried to sell my flat to try and I couldn't even sell it. I mean, when I say I couldn't, the, the price kept on going down so so low, and then people just weren't interested in in, in selling it. I went to the bank, I went to um, uh, the places you would normally go to. In the end, my family, my lovely family, lent me a bit of money, which was a really difficult thing to take because by that time things were so unstable. You know, it was a big risk, really. But then what happened was that the contractors heard about what was going on and uh, they all got together and decided to give me credit for the festival. Now, <laughs> that's a lot that's of... amazing. That is a lot of credit. You know, it was an incredibly ghastly situation, but it was such a gift to, to experience that from people. And, you know, people really bothered with me. You know, it, it was totally through loyalty and friendship and niceness that, that uh, I'm here now. But yeah, that was my dark, my dark time. And um, the following year, uh, that had an impact again on the following year because it was it was the wettest <laughs> dream. Yeah, I was ever. wondering if there was any examples where your main stage had floated away. No, 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 no. In fact, the Green Man in two thousand eight that was that that was the year of hell. But the the Green Man two thousand eight, um, it was incredibly wet. Even the all night bonfire started spluttering at one point. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's a sign. Um, we put in a lot of extra infrastructure into any festival that we're in. So there's a lot of cover. There's always warm showers. There are always nice places to get away from it for a little bit. You know, rain is part of, of, of British event culture, and we all have our, our moment, our, our, um, our, you know, our battling moment of it all. And I don't know, maybe it's sort of part of our our kind of attitude towards I'd adversity. be disappointed if it didn't rain and I went to a festival. I've got oh, more wellies. I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come to mine. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be loads. There'll be loads. So for all those people who might be coming back from festivals now and thinking they've had an amazing time and that working at a festival would be the same, what, what would you say to them? Have you got any words of warning or advice? Um, I think, you know, working at festivals can, can be really good fun. You can make some great friends there. But I think... If it's a situation where you want a career that's going to make you loads of money, then then um, you know there are other careers that will probably <laughs> do that more more than festivals. Um, there are agencies that um, offer recruitment to people through bar work. There are agencies who offer recruitment to people for for stewarding. Oxfam offer big stewarding opportunities. Greenpeace litter picking opportunities. It's a great thing to do, but it's something that a lot of people want to do as well. And key skills that are always useful at an event is is having a license to drive a forklift. 
<laughs> so if you want to do that, £700, and you can get a licence to drive a forklift truck. People who understand plumbing, water, that kind of thing is always useful because it's one of the big things of trying to get all that water around a, around a site. Those kind of things are always useful. But the biggest skill is just getting on with people and, and being professional and trustworthy. I mean, the, the thing that, that has helped me mostly in the career I have now are all the different things that I've ever done, from being a cleaner to working as a, um, an assistant to um, a lady with disabilities to being a secretary to being... You know, I've, I've done lots and lots of different things in, in, in my life, and I think when you're just prepared to work like that and just try something and do your best at it, then you, no matter if it's badly paid, you don't enjoy it, you always take something from it, you always take some experience. Whatever you do, just just keep on on doing it. And, and you know, I get a lot of CVs of people who want to work at, at festivals and what I always look for are people who've done work. People who've just worked in, in bars, it doesn't matter being fruit pickers, it matters to be far more that I've seen people actually show that they can undertake work and and work with people and communicate and, and support each other as in a team. Those kind of things are real skills which you can work in any of the areas of festivals as long as you've got that. I think this, the whole thing about festivals is that they've been going for, you know, forever. I think, you know, we sort of think we've reinvented the wheel right now, but in fact, you know, there, there's been festivals going on literally for thousands of years all across the world. And I like that idea that we as human beings, just really like getting together and, and having a laugh in a field. I, I think that's, that's, I've never lost that in my head. When I, whenever I think about a festival, I, I, I have that feeling, that same feeling I got at Glastonbury, I suppose, that, that ultimately people want to feel accepted, they want to feel comfortable, they want to have a sense of freedom, and a, and a, and a sense that they just want to put their other life away for a little while and just, and just, have fun and enjoy themselves and you know I, I like that I think that's that's the kind of thing most people do they just want to be confronted by something new and something that's going to inspire or interest them for me personally other people would would have their own opinion but for me personally that you know to let things be free and, and open and encourage and generate ideas and giggling is is definitely the way forward <laughs> That was the mother of all festivals, Fiona Stewart. Harriet talked about the effect sports season can have on work at the top of the show and so we're carrying this theme over into the jobs top ten. Playing for the Guardian Jobs team this week we have Lau Madsen who's here to help Ali reveal the sporting chart. Kicking us off at ten, a sporting venue is looking for an event safety manager courtesies of recruiters Regan and Dean. And in at nine, Veena Resourcing are looking for a graduate headhunter in the sports industry. And at eight, the Department of Culture, Media and Sport needs a vice chairman. Seven is a project manager at London Borough of Croydon. While a medical writer is needed by the Lymphoma Association at six. Get free Wimbledon tickets at five. The Lawn Tennis Association is looking for an equality and diversity manager. At four, it's an operations director for Comic Relief. And at three, Perform has vacancies for producers, news editors and coordinators. Pip to the post at two, it's a commercial account director in sports sponsorship, courtesy of Formula One Recruitment. But top of the jobs this week is a regulatory affairs manager for Verizon Jobs. For more info on those roles and lots more, you can visit guardianjobs.co.uk.
Now, despite the recent High Flyers UK graduate careers survey finding that only a third of grads expect to find work this summer and one in six of the class of 2010 said they would not have gone to university if they had known how tough the graduate job market would be, we uncovered a much sunnier outlook at the Guardian Graduate Fair. Now, Harriet, tell tell me about what you found. There was actually quite a lot of optimism out there, wasn't there? There was quite Surprising a lot. Surprising amount. <laughs> there was quite a lot of optimism. I mean, I think well done for everyone who turned up because they obviously all came with at least a purpose of what they wanted to get out of it. So everybody knew that even if they were there only to find out what options were open to them, they were all making an effort to get out and talk to people, which I think is definitely a first step forward on your career um but yeah they were i have to say people were pretty optimistic we went around and sort of asked them you what do you think your chances are of getting a job and everyone really believed that actually no matter what the market there was going to be something out there for them which i think is the attitude you've got to have definitely let's hear the interviews hi my name's joe i study english at the university of leicester and it's my second year and what are you doing here today I'm just kind of researching some of the companies, looking a bit into teaching and marketing and advertising and that kind of thing. Uh, hi, I'm Shibodas. Uh, now I'm doing my master's in University of Leeds and my nationality is Indian. And now I uh, came here for searching for electronic jobs. Hi, I'm Nisha. Uh, I'm from India. I came here for my master's degree. I did it in the University of Derby. And what do you feel your recruitment chances are at the moment? Actually, I've done my uh, master's in computer networks. Uh, I couldn't find much of the networking companies right here, but I feel that uh, there are a lot of chances in network anywhere in the country. So I'm 100% sure that I'll find a job. <laughs> um, I think sometimes it's a bit scary like when you hear about the government and how many jobs are like being cut and like, um, the cuts and the benefits and everything but um yeah I'm feeling quite prepared by my university and like careers things like this definitely help as well. My name's Luke Williams and currently living in Golders Green but originally from North Wales. I work for Streetcar as part of their uh, grad scheme. Okay and um, what are you doing at the fair today? Just keeping an eye open for any other opportunities really. Um, my name's Kate I'm from Guildford and I've just completed a degree in German from the University of Exeter. Um, I'm looking at a number of options, but I'm thinking of going into accountancy. And do you have a career plan for that? Um, not as such. I'm here today to get some ideas and see what the requirements are and uh, different entry levels and things like that. My advice would be just kind of make sure that your CV looks confident when you're going into interviews. Make sure you look good, um, that you are confident in your stature, the way that you come across. Make sure you know your stuff as well. Otherwise, I don't go hope in hell. Um, I have noticed that a lot of people are finding it very difficult to get on graduate schemes. Um, also, I think the workload in final year is often so big that it's quite a lot to ask final year students to look at these schemes and take exams at the same time. I think I will get a job at the end of it, but I don't know how long it'll take. I mean, I've gone to the effort of putting a suit on and roasting, regret that I did, looking at a few people, to be honest. Um, so yeah, you know what they say, first impressions, rather be wearing a suit and being hot than in shorts and t-shirt, you know? Um, my name's Naveda Kasturangan, I just finished my maths degree at King's College London, graduating in July. What do you think of the recruitment market at the moment? Well, it's picking up at the moment, which is good. Um, I think last year everyone struggled with getting jobs, but this year it shouldn't be too difficult, hoping. <laughs> uh, my name is Paul Beswick, uh, I did my undergraduate degree at University of Birmingham and uh, did my postgraduate degree at LSE. 
Certainly for the companies I've looked at, there has been a bit of a recruitment freeze on a lot of companies. Personally, I, I think the companies have been a bit shy and it's all coming forward to say like this is what we're going to do. I know on a couple of occasions the companies have misled graduates in saying well we're going to take on this number of graduates this year and then six months later they've not actually taken anyone on at all. So it's a bit disheartening. My name is Victoria Smith. Um, I'm from Hartford, Hertfordshire. As for a plan, I sort of know that I want to go into maybe media and publishing and things like that. Um, possibly editing. But I don't really know a lot about it. I've just come back from years travelling. Yeah, sort of publishing seems like possibly the right way to go, I don't know. <laughs> My name is Beatrice Hockton. I'm from Kent. I think at the moment I don't have a definite plan. It depends on what offers are open to me. So. I'm not feeling too confident about the job market at the moment. I think just seems like an uphill struggle at the moment for everybody. And that's why I'm a bit nervous about not knowing what I want to do. <laughs> so. It looks very competitive at the moment, but um, I'm quite confident something will come up soon. I've done a lot of training already and I've had three years work experience, so that should be enough to get me some sort of work at the moment, <laughs> I would have thought. That was Harriet speaking to graduates at the Guardian Graduate Fair. Now before we go, Ali has some dates for your diary. Alright, packed diary this week. We're 29th of June, we're following on from the budget, we'll be offering advice on coping with the public sector cuts, which we talked about earlier. 30th of June, routes into social care. And then on the 1st of July, maybe fancy becoming a paramedic, there'll be some advice there. And 2nd of July, ethical careers for graduates. And that's it for this week. Thanks very much to all our guests, the mother of all festivals, Fiona Stewart, Lau Madsen from Guardian Jobs, all the graduates that we spoke to at the Graduate Fair, and of course, Alison White and Harriet Minter. I'm Kerry Eustace. Careers Talk was produced by Kate Taylor. Until next week, goodbye. <laughs>